0: For the record, smoked peach cobbler with Jim Beam is bomb. I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. Nine cents 9 cents is a satanic perspective of our modern world and I'm your host Reverend Campbell it's great to have you it is December 13th and as of today we have 72,404,277 worldwide cases of COVID-19 with 1,616,098 deaths and I got a great show for you this week that's right in the devil's advocate we're going to talk a little incantations and this is from a section of letters from the devil In Infernal Informant, two articles. The first is Mayhem in Washington, D.C. as Trump supporters' opponents clash. At least four stabbed, 23 arrested. And, after 51 years, the Zodiac Killer's cipher has been solved by amateur codebreakers. Not too shabby. In the Creature Feature, I'm going to close out the show with a review of a book that but there's implications What I don't want to talk about. So, the book's called Shadow Moon, and we'll get into it at the end. Horatio, thank you so much, man. I do genuinely appreciate that. And even if you can't make it live, I appreciate your contribution and uh, your attention when you can review the show. So, thank you, man. Valeria, it's always great to see you. Thank you so much. Cameron John. Cameron John. I feel like I should know that name from somewhere. Hmm. Maddie. How you doing, man? Good to see you, Jeff. What's up? Uh, dog. My dog. How you doing? Uh, Gary, great to see you. Ashworth, thanks for joining live. All right, and anyone else after the fact, we got a lot to get into. I want to talk really briefly about how uh silly Swash deal. What's up, man? I feel so fortunate. Like I I just went to it just it started as a way to share whiskey and it ended up being like this sort of holiday party with me and a bunch of other local satanists and our wives it was a great time last night drank a lot of whiskey and a little bit of rum i even drank other people's whiskey that's that's how how much fun it got um but we did white elephants and white elephants are like an excuse for me to go to our local thrift store because normally i never it just doesn't really enter my mind to do so but the genuine gold that you can find in thrift stores, you, you can't overlook it. I went in and I just saw a record collection, like three stacks of records, and I just started thumbing through them. And I found like five amazing records. They were like 50 cents each. And they all like were scratchless and just amazing. Amazing. You gotta, you gotta visit thrift stores, people, if you're not doing it already. Not only is everything inexpensive, but, I mean, there's some great finds that you're going to get. Uh, but that's where we always go to to get our white elephants. In the past, we got these two, like, sort of wooden African fellows, wooden carved African fellows, uh, which we ended up keeping because we loved them so much. And this time we got this uh, Black Santa, which sang and moved. It was re- <laughs> It was fucking awesome. I actually wanted to keep that. But I decided to take door number three, and door number three led me to probably the greatest white elephant gift I've ever gotten. Which was like this, um, I don't know how you describe it. It was this red banana hammock, essentially. But it was an elephant's face, and the trunk was your, you know. And if I'm given a gift like that, even if it's white elephant, and I don't know if I'm going to be the one that gets it, if I end up with a gift like that, how can I not show it in use to the people that picked it out? I, I feel like that's rude if you don't at least put it on and put it on someone's shoulder. So I did. It was a good night. It was, it was an awkward night, but it was a good night. I always second guess myself too, because like the next day I'm like, was that a good idea? Did I cross lines by, by doing that? But I feel like they picked out the gift, so it's kind of their fault, right? Anyway, it was a good time. Lots of really great food, too. Like, tons of the spread was crazy. And it's always great seeing friends like Cameron um, in the chat. Uh, Sean, what's up? Thanks for joining live. Phil, how you doing, man? I'm good. Um, I actually don't have anything else to talk about. <laughs> so let's just dive into the show. Devil's advocate. Great time, silly. It was a really good time. I I do wish I could get together with uh, more of our kind more frequently than I do, because it, you know, like for every asshat you meet that happens to be a Satanist, there's like ten really genuinely good people, and so you sort of forgive the at, the random asshat for the genuinely good people. You know, I mean, it's just when when you as a, a sort of goal in life is to be the best version of you you tend to be a pretty good person, right? Whatever good means to you. All right, I'm just throwing up an image, sorry for the the delay here. This is Devil's Advocate. I go back to this uh, collection when I don't have anything else to talk about, and I'm always surprised at how wonderfully insightful I find it. Um, There's little gems that are just sort of sprinkled throughout you know, like, with rough abandon. Like, the whole premise of the article that he used to write in the newspaper, the article was Letters from the Devil. Um, This is Anton Zanderleve, the founder. Um, He would sometimes get letters, and then he would respond to the letters. Sometimes he would write letters posing as someone else and then respond to those letters if he wanted to get an idea across. And then sometimes he just said, well, fuck it, I'm not even going to pretend. I'm just going to talk about something that I find interesting. And it was like a window... Into his magic circles that he would have, uh, the little uh, sort of witches' reviews, the little magic discussions that he would host at the Black House. And I run across one, uh, and it's dated on March 29, 1970. And it's about incantations. And it's something that I never considered before. And like, I'm, I come from a, a tradition of really appreciating and celebrating. Uh, Uh, well, traditional witchcraft. Like, I I love the occult. That's how I discovered Satanism. And so even though it's a bunch of hogwash, um, you know, any occult magical book you find is probably going to just be pure bullshit. I still, there's there's a place in my little black heart for it. And incantations is one of those traditions of witchcraft that I had never considered could be a part of Satanism. At all. And in, in fact, th- the first introduction I ever had to this was probably like Bugs Bunny cartoons, <laughs> which, you know, you had like little witches in their cauldron. They're trying to cook someone or something or make a potion or something. Um, that's my first uh, sort of cutting my teeth on incantations. And so, what I'm speaking to you about um, is, uh, and the way that the doctor frames it in this little article is incantations are the witch's way of calling out to the elements to bestow their blessings upon her, right? And it's not exclusive to witches. Warlocks can do this too. Um, anyone who practices satanic magic. But I, I always found it interesting because, you know, of course we have our Shakespeare's Macbeth scene where you have the witches doing the double-double toil and trouble, fire burning, cauldron bubble, cool it with a baboon's blood, then the charm is firm and good, right? So that's an incantation. But to translate that to greater satanic magic in an effective way takes a little bit of finesse. And that's what this article is about. It is fantastic. So Underworld Amusements, uh, put this out. It's available on Amazon. I put a link in the show notes and I'll put those out. Uh, but you can always just search in your search engine for Letters from the Devil and you're going to find this book. So pick it up if you haven't gotten it already because it's, it's pretty amazing. And it's not very expensive either. Um, so I'm going to continue here. Uh, incantations is a series of words strung together so as to form a rhythmic pattern, right? And so it, it can be nonsensical words. It can be uh, literal whatever language you speak, your native tongue. Um, it can be uh, gibberish, right? It's just the rhythmic pattern of saying the same thing over and over again puts you into a near trance-like state. That trance-like state generates your adrenal energies, which in greater magic you'd use to direct towards a given goal. Whatever that is. Destruction, love, compassion. Um, I never considered performing a ritual like this before. And that's why I find this so interesting. So he says, The most effective incantations, those that ensure success are the ones composed either by the witch or warlock themselves to be used by the person it was written for. Which is interesting. So it's best if you write it for yourself to be used by yourself because then it's more relevant to you. So, you know, if your friend comes to you and says, you know, I'll give you 60 bucks if you'll write an incantation, well, it would be more meaningful if they did it themselves. It's the same logic uh, if you make your own dinner versus going out and buying it. It may not taste as good, But in your head, it's actually a little bit better because you put all that effort into it. You put a little bit of your heart and soul into cooking that. Um, And so that makes it better. That adds to the experience. Same thing with incantations, which is logical, right? It must be written as specifically as possible toward the desired goal. So whatever that goal is, that incantation has to be very directed and purposeful. Which makes sense. That's what greater magic is all about, right? No matter what you are doing, it is all towards one single end. It's all directed toward whatever you want to happen. Um, I'll get to that in a second here, Maddie. Uh, let's see. Emotion and sincerity count more than specific words. So he- here's something that a lot of people run into when they start uh, trying to creatively write, right? It's that I don't have a very good vocabulary. I don't know a lot of big words. Um, I don't know how to properly convey uh, my thoughts when I'm writing. None of that really matters. As long as the language used is emotionally resonant and specific enough to the desired end, that's actually more effective than a creative poem written with a thesaurus you know i mean it, as long as it speaks to you as the individual and that's why it's so important when uh thinking about greater magic not to be hung up on do i have all the right implements do i have the right robe uh, is my sword sharpened and, and polished that doesn't matter you can just do it with drawing a sigil of bathmet on a piece of paper or just in your own head What's important is your ability to visualize it and the atmosphere that you create for yourself, not the things, the tangible things. And so in uh, in relation to incantations, it's only important on whether or not it's coming from you and whether or not it's something that you feel good about. Right. So, uh, you know, going out on a limb here and if you really just feel terrible about writing things for yourself, maybe you could get someone to help you. Right. But you are conveying the thoughts, you're conveying the emotions, you're conveying the directions, and they're just helping you with the technical side of the writing. I don't feel like that would necessarily hinder you in any way because it's still you directing the end. And then, of course, you're gonna be practicing the incantation yourself. So then, you know, so maybe if you really don't feel good about your writing skills, there are ways around it. But try first. One thing I I found um, when I started writing was that I wasn't as bad as I thought I was. I just thought I was worse inherently because I never saw myself as a writer. Um, And that it's a lot easier if you just get to doing it, right? The more you do it, the easier it becomes to do. As with anything. I mean, practice makes perfect. There's a reason that saying exists. Um, Okay, so you get to the point where you've written it specifically toward a specific desire, uh, you've put in emotion, you've put in sincerity, Uh, You're not hung up on trying to sound flowery or, um, I don't know, whatever state of authority you feel like others may have that you're lacking. Don't worry about that. Now we just have to get into the other component that's going to help drive home your success with this incantation, right? It's going to be vivid mental and or pictorial imagery. Um, it's incredibly important. And so this goes in line with everything uh, in, in Greater Magic Ritual, right? Um, the room has to be special to you. If there's implements, they should be special to you. You've imbued yourself into them. You've charged them with the power of Satan. You know wh- wh- Whatever it is that, that enriches that environment. And then aesthetics are key to Satanists, right? We need to be able to visualize a direct course of action. So some people can do that without visual aids. Some people need them. Either way, it doesn't matter as long as you get to that point of being able to focus on the image, the, the action that you want done, and then repeat that pattern. And keep repeating it over and over and over again until you enter that trans like state, uh, and it really shouldn't take that long. It, and it, you know, it's one of those things that I would even argue: if you want to practice it, it's probably not a bad idea. Um, a lot of mental health experts uh, suggest meditation. This is just another form. Incantations are just another form of meditation, right? Some people meditate just trying to clear their minds. Some people use keywords. Some people use sounds like, and they try to use that as a focal point of their meditation. Incantations are the exact same thing. Um, So if you want to practice it and use this as a potential tool in your greater magic toolbox, by all means, have fun with it. It goes into a lot more detail it gives more the article gives more examples of other incantations well one other incantation um and it's very interesting and then it takes a quick like left turn into music for satanic rituals in this particular article which was a really hard left turn it was like we're in the middle of talking about incantations and you just jump ship like fuck give me like a I don't know, a hashtag or, or, or some, like, a line to tell me we're done talking about incantations now, we're moving on to music. Um, but that's what I genuinely love about this collection of uh, the Doctor's, well, thoughts. Is that he gives you every ounce of gold that he ever gave anyone that attended his own magic seminars, anyone who was a part of the original magic circle, Um, and he's just giving it away for anyone who wants to read it, understand it and practice it. I mean, that's, that's straight up satanic gold, man. (laughs) That's fucking El Dorado in a tome right there. Uh, so if you don't have it yet, you should probably pick it up because it's pretty stunning. And this is just another idea, right? So sometimes maybe he's going to be talking about voodoo dolls, or maybe he's talking about, um, hope chests. You know, as that relates to a, a satanic witchcraft. Um, in this particular case, it's incantations. Never would have considered it myself. He now made me want to consider it, which I find very interesting. So, what do you guys think? Any thoughts about this? Um, the lesser key evening. Okay. Well, no one had any thoughts about it. <laughs> I hope you. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the discussion. That's all I have for uh, Devil's Advocate. Let's do a little infernal informant. throw this next image up and as i do in reaction to uh, hey john how you doing thanks for joining live kate i miss you too it's been a long time it's been too long um yes i do have email if you're talking to me uh check out the about section of the youtube channel or check out my website and you can get it there okay this is uh from foxnews.com The headline is Mayhem in Washington, D.C. as Trump supporters opponents clash. At least four stabbed, 23 arrested. Chaos erupted in Washington, D.C. on Saturday night, hours after two pro-Trump rallies ended. Groups of Proud Boys and Antifa activists clashed under cover of darkness, with police repeatedly forcing them amid, apart uh, amid reports of brawls and stabbings. At least four stabbings occurred near a bar that served as a gathering spot for the Proud Boys, according to the Washington Post. The victims were hospitalized, possibly with life-threatening injuries. A D.C. Fire Department spokesman told the newspaper. It wasn't immediately clear which groups the attackers and victims were affiliated with, the report said. As of 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 23 people had been arrested, including 10 charged with misdemeanor assault, 6 with assaulting a police officer, and 4 with rioting, Fox uh, 5 of Washington reported. One suspect was carrying an illegal stun gun. At least two D.C. police officers were hospitalized with moderate injuries, the report added. Images and videos on social media show demonstrators exchanging a barrage of fireworks and police intervening on several downtown streets. Several unverified videos on Twitter posted during the protests from the area appeared to show people bleeding and being treated by police. An online post by Washington's WJLA-TV included video of one police officer being helped away by colleagues after being injured. Police separated the groups, shut down traffic in parts of downtown D.C., and sealed off Black Lives Matter Plaza near the White House. At one point, a group of Proud Boys allegedly ducked through an alleyway to sidestep police and confront Antifa, according to the Post's Millennial's Matthew Miller. Subsequent videos captured the sound of stun guns going off, fireworks and demonstrators coughing and reportedly inhaling pepper spray. Despite aggressive and graphic language between both groups of protesters and counter-protesters, police appeared to quickly intervene and keep them apart in numerous videos. Earlier Saturday, President Trump's backers descended on Washington to support the president, who has come up short in his efforts to overturn the results of the 2020 presidential election. This is an important line that I think everyone needs to understand not just hear me say it, but understand it. President Trump's backers wanted to shore up his efforts to overturn the results of the 2020 presidential elections. Not to continue contesting them, because he's done that and failed in every case. He has literally no legal stance, no evidence, no proof. Just his wild conspiracy theories and his fragile ego. And it's causing riots like this. It's causing fractions in this country like this because of his behavior and his inability to admit defeat by someone else. He thinks he's the second coming of Christ. I mean, if he is, let's just string him up on a fucking cross. All right but it's language like that that is the problem right uh with trump flags and hats and a few face masks they gathered at freedom plaza near the white house chanting four more years and stop the steal around midday trump flew over the crowd as marine one carried him from the white house for his trip to the army navy football game at west point new york according to the associated press wow the president tweeted before leaving the white house thousands of people forming in washington dc for stop the steal don't know about this, but I'll be seeing them. Hashtag MAGA. Trump aide Dan Scavino tweeted an aerial picture with a message to the crowd. Thank you, patriots. During the last major Stop the Steel rally in D.C. on November 14, Trump and his motorcade drove through the downtown D.C. crowd to wave at his supporters before heading off to his golf resort in Virginia. Organizers for the Women for America rally were expecting 15,000 participants for the rally and marched to the Supreme Court. One speaker at the rally, retired General Michael Flynn, who was Trump's former national security advisor, told the crowd he was confident Trump would remain in office. When people ask me, he says, on a scale of one to 10, who's going to be the next president of the United States, I say 10, Donald J. Trump, without hesitation. Trump, last month, granted a pardon to Flynn, who pleaded guilty in 2017 to lying to the FBI about his contact with a Russian ambassador, but later claimed innocence. Quote, the fraud that is being per- per- uh, perpetu- <laughs> perpetuated on the United States of America through his previous election is outrageous, Flynn told the crowd. It's outrageous. We will not accept it. Other speakers at the Women for America First demonstration included My Pillow Guy, Mike Lindell, and former Trump aide Sebastian Gorka, Boris Efstein, and Katrina Pearson, who encouraged supporters to keep up the fight to overturn the election results. Again, to overturn them, not to accept them, not to fight them, because there is no fight, to take your votes and throw them in the trash because they don't care about democracy. This is literally dictator actions. This is not democracy at all. I've read the Constitution, quote, I don't think Joe Biden has, Gorka told the crowd, but I've read the Constitution, and I know one thing, it ain't over until January 20th. Well, the states have already locked in the vote. It's like a a reality TV show. And the president should understand that, considering that's the only thing he's ever done successfully. President Trump uh, supporters made clear that they will continue to fight back regardless of the media and court rulings. (laughs) Again, American institutions, but who cares about those? And will not accept Biden as president. In 2016, quote, they had this thing called the resistance. Do you remember that? Pearson said on the left's movement against Trump. You haven't seen a resistance until patriots show up to defend the republic. There's a difference between saying this is not my president and this is not the president. The resistance that he's speaking to, the democratic resistance, was saying this is not my president. These anti-democratic, anti-patriotic, anti-Americans who are trying to overturn the legal votes of this country they're trying to install a demagogue literally they're the ones saying that they uh they got the numbers they got the guns so they're gonna do it right okay we'll see keep thinking that The second pro-Trump rally was at Sylvan Theater in National Mall, where organizers planned 500 people according to their national park permit. Meanwhile, the Refuse Fascism Anti-Trump group scheduled a counter-protest in Black Lives Matter Plaza at noon with the message, Trump, you lost, get the hell out. The rally comes a day after a major legal defeat for Trump when the Supreme Court, Friday, declined. His packed Supreme Court! my mind you like he literally chose these justices and they said i don't think so tim (laughs) get to stepping um that was a home improvement reference from like the early 90s if you didn't get it i'm old i guess um I lost my place. Oh, yes. The Supreme Court Friday declined to hear a Texas case that challenged the election results in Pennsylvania, Michigan, Georgia and Wisconsin. Trump has repeatedly alleged he beat President-elect Joe Biden and claims that there was widespread voter fraud. But states have stood by the results and courts have repeatedly rejected Trump's legal claims that Biden's victory by a margin of more than seven million votes nationwide should be tossed out. On January 6, there will be a joint session in the House and Senate to count the electoral votes and certify Biden as the winner. On Saturday, the Biden transition team praised courts for tossing out Trump's baseless legal claims. Quote, the Supreme Court has decisively and speedily rejected the latest of Donald Trump and his allies' attacks on the democratic process. Biden transition offered Michael Gwyn said in a statement, this is no surprise. Dozens of judges, election officials from both parties, and Trump's own Attorney General have dismissed his baseless attempts to deny that he lost the election. President-elect Biden' clear and commanding victory will be ratified by the Electoral College on Monday, and he will be sworn in on January 20th. This is the danger of social media. This is the danger of just living in your bubble. You end up in conspiracies, in Insane hive minds thinking that this election had widespread, massive voter fraud. That everyone's in on it. The deep state, they're all trying to shut us down. FREEDOM! No, you're a fucking idiot who doesn't pull your head out of your ass long enough to realize that you've been fed a line of lies. And you've eaten them up. Grow the fuck up, people. Step out of your fucking bubbles. Stop just getting the feedback loop of fucking news from the sources that you know and trust. Go to the other side from time to time. See what they have to say. Go to other countries' news. See what they have to say. Go to independent journalists that have no federal backing, that have no corporate backers. There you're going to get some truth there you're gonna start to realize that, yeah, you're living in a feedback loop. Trump lost in a big fucking way because he's a fucking loser. Like I've been telling you the entire fucking presidency. Yeah, I'm right and you're wrong. You don't have to accept it, but then no one has to accept reality. All right, what are you guys saying about this? Which is unconstitutional according to one of the 14th Amendments, Uh, just take the L man. Yeah, seriously. Um, You don't think the electronic voting thing, uh, you don't like electronic voting. You think it's unsecure as hell, and has been for years. I don't personally know any electronic machines that don't have a paper backup. So this whole distrust of electronic voting machines... I think it's, it's nonsense. We're going to move forward into a like vote online system eventually. And there'll probably be printed paper ballots somewhere, but we live in a digital society and that's just the reality of it. This is the most secure election. According to election officials, the most secure compared to last election was, was the least secure and he still lost. So, it's not the voting machines, if anyone suspects that. That's a red herring. You're overturning Christmas and making it Halloween. Freedom! <laughs> I'm for that! <laughs> Let's just call it Halloween too. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll march to Washington on that. That's a good one. Um, okay, uh, what would LaVey do? Probably play the keyboard. Yeah, he wouldn't. I can't imagine he would be spending his time concerning about this. Um, I think the differences between uh, individuals who choose to be politically aware and active versus those who are politically aware and inactive is just that. A personal choice. It doesn't make you better or worse or anything. It's just this is what you want to do with your life. So... If you don't want to be politically active, well, then don't. I mean, just accept whatever happens, or bitch about whatever happens, knowing that you had an opportunity to do something about it and chose not to. Okay, fine. I think that's the wrong way of doing it. So I personally don't have any idea whether LeVay ever voted. But it doesn't mean anything to me. Because Satanism has nothing to do with... Your decision to back a party or be political active that's an individual Satanists choice so that's what I focus on Um, people are too lazy for war well apparently not these guys proud boys and Antifa are always ready for a fight and I say let them go at it and let them eliminate each other because they are the problem both are the problem most people completely, in- <laughs> not the snapper heads. <laughs> If you don't admit it's possible to rig an election, you're foolish. No, this totally is possible, Sean, to rig an election. But to have the entire country in on it? Here's a saying that I'm going to probably butcher from Justified, actually, which is a really great saying. If you run about your day and every once in a while you run across someone who calls you an asshole, maybe they're just having a bad day. But if every single day you run across everyone who calls you an asshole, chances are, you're an asshole. If you think everyone is in on a conspiracy to overturn a legal election... ...conspiratorially, you're out of your fucking mind. It's just not a reality. You need to wake the fuck up. That's just not real. You can believe in fairies and mystical realms of enchantment. They don't make it real. Uh, everything we've ever been taught in school is a lie. Most of history is a lie, and both sides are the same. Trump and Biden, two sides of the same coin. Uh, Harlow, thanks for joining. That's not true. Um, this idea of um, all sides are equally bad is just false. It's just a lie. It's just not true. Some people are worse than others. That's like saying everything is equal, hence everything must be unequal. No, equality is a lie. There is no such thing as equality, not in individuals, not in institutions, not in anything. So you can't say that two sides are the exact same in negativity or in positivity, depending on how you see them. They're not. There are objective fucking facts that one side is trying to stop you from voting, trying to overturn the fair election, and the other side is trying to preserve institutions that have been around since 1776. That's just the reality of it. You can choose to accept that as a reality and you can, or you can choose not to, but that's your choice. That doesn't mean both sides are equal. Trump is a horrendous liar, unparalleled to any known president that has been kept track of his fucking lies. He's taken more time off than literally any president yet that has been tracked with time off. He is a fucking weak, horrible human, objectively. Just watch him act. Look at his failed businesses. There's no way that you can objectively look at reality and say his presidency is just as good or as bad as anyone else's. No, no, that's just not true. And you can't accept it because it's not fucking true. Look at reality. Look at facts. Um, There is evidence is being ignored by the four white men in charge of the left wing news. (laughs) All right, Sean, continue it. Continue the conspiracy. Um. I guess 9-11 was a lie too, right? Is that the case? Like, our alien lizard men controlling our government is Q, right? Like, it all leads to conspiracy. Um, and I have heard of individuals committing election fraud and being arrested, and you know who they were? They were pro-Trump. They were doing what Trump said, trying to vote more than once, like he asked them to, at his rallies, recorded. I mean, what are you gonna do? Uh, yeah, as long as there's a paper trail, I'm totally with you, dog, 100%. Um, the entire country, when I reference that, is Republicans, independents, and Democrats who are in positions of authority in and outside of the swing states judging on the truth of this election people that he put into office as judges are ruling against his nonsense people that are republicans who oversaw the election who voted for trump are going with the truth because they were there and they saw the votes counted over and over and over again i mean how many more times are you going to cling to hope that there is a conspiracy that's going to be uncovered it's ridiculous and i'll tell you one thing if there is i'll be the first to admit that i was fucking wrong but it's not going to happen because it doesn't exist um (laughs) oz is over the rainbow god and his astronaut absolutely all right so anyway that that's where i stand with this i we're going to keep going on there's a huge delay between what you guys are saying versus what i'm saying And so I'm not going to be able to respond to everything in time, but I'm sure you can guess as to my response to whatever you think. And it's okay if you don't agree with me. It's fine. I don't care. But I'm going to give you my opinion, 100%. And I'm going to give you my sources where I get my information, which is why I tell you the articles that I'm reading um, wherever I read them. And I give you the information straight up. Uh, And I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not going to fucking lie to you. And I'm not going to try to have you convince. uh, I'm not going to try to convince you to be some hive mind of my opinion. No. Think for yourself. Research yourself. But don't believe one single news source. And don't believe conspiracy theories. Look at facts. They're there. Okay. Let's do this next article, shall we? This next one is going to be fun. I don't think there is anything called, like, the right to live. I don't think, as human beings, we have a sense of entitlement. I think we exist because of random chaos. I was born in Tacoma, Washington, in Fort Lewis, and it was just because that's where my mother was nine months after my dad fucked her. That is just the randomness of the world. I happen to be in America, so I'm an American, born to American presidents, and I happen to be white. I had no choice in it. I had no saying, I'm going somewhere with this. It's just random chaos. I just, I guess I got a lucky roll of the dice, as it were. That being said, I kind of love serial killers. I don't want to be one. I don't want to, like, support them in, like, a um, <laughs> crowdfunding endeavor. I'm kind of glad they're out there, though. That's weird to say, I know. But I kind of am. I just love the random chaos uh, of our own species trying to eliminate itself. But I'm always dragged down to the harsh reality (laughs) like your heroes. The greatest villains don't live up to the hype. They're just fucking as foolish as everyone else. They're just as stupid and let you down just as much as your heroes do Zodiac Killer is one of those where there's this promise of uh, magical prowess right he was never caught no one knows who he was he's the greatest serial killer ever there's actually a, 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 a letter that he sent in that was coded that no one has been able to decode until now and now we get to know exactly what he thinks in his own writing And get ready because it's disappointing. (laughs) It's just, it just is. All right, so let's get into it. After 51 years, the Zodiac Killer's cipher has been solved by amateur codebreakers. This is from CNN.com. More than 50 years ago, after the so called Zodiac Killer first began terrorizing the streets of Northern California, a codebreaking team is believed to have finally cracked one of the Serial Killer's mysterious coded messages sent to the San Francisco Chronicle in 1969. Dubbed the 340 cipher, The message was unraveled by a trio of code breakers, David Orinchak, a software developer in Virginia, Carl, I'm sorry, Jarl Van Eyck, a Belgian computer programmer, and Sam Blake, an Australian mathematician. Decoding the cipher revealed the following message. It was sent in all capital letters without punctuation and included a misspelling of paradise. Quote, I hope you are having lots of fun in trying to catch me this wasn't me on the tv show which brings up a point about me i am not afraid of the gas chamber because it will send me to paradise all the sooner because i have now have enough slaves to work for me where everyone else has nothing when they reach paradise so they are afraid of death i am not afraid because i know that my new life will be an easy one in paradise death Alright. Lean in here, Zodiac Killer, just for a second. I know you didn't have Grammarly, but you had dictionaries, right? Yeah, just... Punctuation and grammar, even in coded messages, is going to add an air of authority to you and add to your total mystique. This sounds and looks like it's written by a child. An ignorant child. Enjoy Paradise. my stupid, stupid serial killer. What the fuck is wrong with these people? Can't we get one really good serial killer that doesn't end up being a fucking loser? Ugh. I'm always disappointed. Always. It's like, did you guys ever see the film Copycat? It's actually really good. But it, it's all around a copycat serial killer, who ends up just being this terrified, fearful, white male, middle-aged white male, which most serial killers are, um, who's just insignificant and worthless, like most serial killers are. And it just pulls the curtains back to the truth about the villains, the bad guys. They're just as fucking stupid as the heroes. Fuck. All right. It was incredible! (laughs) Okay, so hold on. Uh, The TV show The Message refers to is the Jim Dunbar show, a Bay Area television talk show. The cipher was sent two weeks after a person claiming to be the Zodiac Killer called into the show. Quote, It was incredible! It was a big shock! I never really thought we'd finish... Um... Oh shit, I just totally lost my place. I never thought we'd find anything because I had grown so used to failure. Oranchok who's been working on solving the serial killer's message since 2006, told CNN. When I first started, I used to get excited when I would see words come through. They were like false positives, phantoms. I had grown so used to that, it was a long shot. We didn't even really know if there was a message, he said. The trio took their findings to the FBI a week ago, but didn't reveal their breakthrough until the FBI confirmed, cleared by the authorities, they said. The Zodiac Killer is most known for leaving a trail of five unsolved murders between 1968 and 69. He was never caught, but he gained notoriety by writing letters to police and local media up to 1974, sometimes in code, boasting of the killings. Bloody bits of clothing were included with his letters as proof of his actions. He claimed he killed as many as 37 people. The FBI said in a statement that the case remains an ongoing investigation of the Bureau's San Francisco office and its local law enforcement partners. Due to the ongoing nature of the investigation and out of respect of the victims and their families, we will not be providing further comment at this time, the statement read. The San Francisco Police Department has also been made aware of the solved cipher and said the information has been sent to the department's cold case homicide investigators. Oronchek detailed the process for cracking the cipher on his website and on a YouTube video where he used a specifically developed decryption software and a bit of luck to finally make the connection. The team used a unique program to sift through 650,000 variations of the message. In one, a couple of word appears, words appeared. We got really lucky and found out that, that we had part of the answer, but it wasn't obvious, orinchek said, explaining that they then had to handpick their way through the decipher uh, to get to the rest of the message. The only disappointing part, he says, is that the missive contained no personally identifying information. He holds out No hope for solving the two remaining ciphers. He described the mission as almost hopeless, as both are very short, with thousands of different names and phrases that could fit. And that's it. Another deciphered letter with more waiting to be deciphered. No real information gleaned other than his inability to write and think cohesively. I love, it's this fucking, if it wasn't, for this delusion of an afterlife. This need for there's something to be better than what you're living right now. Your abject failure as a human being. If there wasn't that, I don't think we would have this level of fucking ignorance. You wouldn't have people offing others for a future paradise of happiness. You wouldn't have Unabombers going out there to find peace in the afterlife by supporting their freedom fighters in this life. No, you'd have people focused on the here and now, not wanting to give it up. A more satanic vision of the world, I think. That's what I would like to see. Not these fucking God adorers, these future worshipers, these losers in life. Fucking idiots. All right. Oh, actually, three writings were written. One of them supposedly has a Zodiac killer's name. Uh, Damn, leave it to Ted Cruz to write something. <laughs> Sean, uh, you're right. <laughs> that was actually a funny uh, pop culture phenomenon. That was great. Uh, it was probably Lay. He was a kook. Stoked that you found out recently that you're related to a serial killer. Oh, good on you. Shirley Allen. I don't know anything about that one. Was that like turn of the century? That sounds like an 18th century name. I saw Paul Stein murder pics. Pretty ugly. I actually, when, when the web first came out, all of my buddies were going when it first came out. When you know I first got access to it. Um, this was like mid-1990s. Um, my buddies were going after porn. I was going after serial killer photos. I, I just found it fascinating. I just loved it so much i thought it was so great um and it's part of the reason why i love uh horror films you know it's just like but it's real life you know real life monsters i love that idea i love the concept of it they're always disappointing though none of them are really freddy krueger (sighs) unfortunately all right that's it for this uh (laughs) infernal informant let's do a little creature feature. let's get this next one up yeah this is gonna close out the show letting you know now don't get your hopes up all right so i am um i'm a massive massive willow fan the film willow came out when i was a kid i was really into dungeons and dragons it was just a really high great high fantasy film made by george lucas and it's still one of my favorite fantasy films of all time it doesn't quite get to excalibur status if you haven't seen the original excalibur like the 1970s 76 or something like that i think that's phenomenal but willow as far as like fantasy high adventure oh man it's so much fun it's so good um so my family I, i was raised a mormon i was baptized and then i stopped wanting to go my family was okay with that. They just let me stay home. They would go to church on Sundays and I would sit home and watch Willow every Sunday for years. And it was just, you know, one of those things I would do. I just loved the fucking show. I found out that uh, there was a hint that there may be sequels directed by Ron Howard when Ron Howard took over and uh, finished Solo, a Star Wars movie. Um, And so... I then started looking online, like, you know, potential plots or, you know, any film movement in the direction, and I ran across the reality that there was a sequel trilogy of books written from the movie, and I had no idea! And so they're not available digitally or anything. They just, you know, I had to go to used booksellers online to get them. But I had them all sent to my house. I'm, in the, um, I'm actually almost done with the second one right now. And this is the first one. And the trilogy is called The Chronicles of a Shadow War. Or of The Shadow War. This is book one, Shadow Moon. So it's all centered around... Well, hold on, let me get into that in a second. So this is a fantasy novel written by Chris Claremont and of Marvel Comics fame. And George Lucas of Star Wars fame and Willow. Um, they got together and wrote this trilogy of books uh, about Alora Dannon, which is the baby princess prophesied in the film. Um, yeah, the whole film revolved around her, so if you ever saw the film, this is about her as a young woman growing into full womanhood. Uh, it was put out in 1995 by Bantam Spectrum. It was a continuation of the 1988 motion picture Willow, and it was lambasted. No one seemed to like this trilogy of books. It totally takes a left turn from the film. It is not the same. It's the same universe, but it's expanded and opened up in a really big way. And so people who loved Willow and wanted Willow were really bummed because this is not the movie. This is a continuation of the universe. It's, it's opening up. So if you're like me and you actually appreciate world building then you're probably going to stick through and read these books more than someone who just wanted, some, you know, like a sequel to the book or to the movie. Um, but here's the synopsis that is put out by the printer. Thirteen years have passed since the epic battle of Nokmar freed the land from a tyrant's grasp, the evil queen Babmorda. But in the time since, the countryside has been racked by war and chaos. According to the prophecy, there is but one hope of deliverance, the princess Alora Dannon. Raised friendless and alone, she has grown into a royal, spoiled brat. The fate of the Great Realms rests in her hands, and she couldn't care less. It would take a stranger named Thorn Drumheller to fight the opposing forces of unimaginable malevolence, but first he must strike a devil's bargain and resurrect a powerful warrior from her soulless sleep, bringing her into a world of blood and horror, where shadows have declared war on the light. So the premise of Willow the film is that this essentially it's like the fantasy version of a dwarf or a hobbit they're called nelwins um willow finds this baby very moses like floating down the river it's a daikini a human baby um he is tasked with the quest to bring it back to the daikini people and ultimately it leads to this unraveling that this is a Princess that is to save the world, you know, like Anakin Skywalker in Star Wars or Luke Skywalker in Star Wars They're the hero of the future, right? Um, that are gonna right all the wrongs that the current world exists in um, And so the evil Queen Babmortar is going to try to find the baby to murder it so that she can then take over and not be destroyed as prophesied by this fucking baby um, Of course, it's a high fantasy good hero film and so she's defeated in the movie and um, and Willow leaves her with Mad Mardigan, and, um, I can't remember the woman's name. Uh, anyway, uh, she's Bab Morda's daughter, um, who turns onto the, the good guy's side. Sorsha, Sorsha. So Sorsha and Mad Mardigan take over uh, patronage of the child, right, and raise it as their own. 13 years later, there is a cataclysm. The night before the cataclysm, Willow of Good has a dream and is uh, flying on the back of a dragon to Tirisline, uh where they took up residence to raise the child, which is this famed place that the curse was lifted uh, due to their uh, winning the war. And um, uh, Sorsha gave Willow the title of Thorn Drumheller, which is his wizard name. Um, and so he ceases to be Willow, and throughout the whole rest of the book, he's named Thorn. Thorn. Thron, Thorn. Thorn. Which is really weird, and it's hard to get used to. And so the whole time you're reading Thorn, you have to, in your head, think, okay, that's Willow. Which is frustrating, and it's pointless. There's no reason why they did that, which is a huge part of why people are complaining. And then, Allura Dannon, the prophesied princess, is literally a royal brat. And so you have to deal with this fucking whiny bitch. <laughs> which is the truth. And so you have to realize that this is the first part of a three-part story arc. And so the first book is just the first part. If you can get past that, the second book actually opens up and it's actually a lot better. And I'm hoping that the third book really closes it out. But I was really frustrated reading this novel. There were some nonsensical choices that I still to this day don't understand. It is wildly descriptive. I mean, more than Tolkien, more than Hemingway, more than fucking, um, um, oh my gosh, uh, Hawthorne, I mean, it's just like description piled on description piled on description. It takes chapters to get through events, so it, it feels really tedious, but if you can get through that, there's actually a little bit of gold in there. Um, and so I, if you did like Willow and you do like world building and you like fantasy, I would recommend struggling through the first book, get to the second. It's entertaining. It's interesting. Um, you do have to fight your way through though. So there's that, but that's, that's all I had for this show. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in. (laughs) Peck. Yeah. Peck, 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 peck. That's so funny. I was called a peck. I was in Cub Scouts for, like, five or six years, I think, or three years. I can't remember. I was in Cub Scouts for a little while. Um, And there's this tiny little guy who had, like, short person syndrome or something. I was, like, a tall, lanky, skinny kid. Um, And he would call me Peck. I was like, have you ever seen the film? I was, like, one of those kids. Well, technically, I can't be a Peck because I'm tall and you're small, you know? It was nonsensical. Why are you calling me a Peck? That doesn't make sense. I don't know. it was weird hey rod <laughs> thanks for joining uh thanks for joining i king harmony nicholas i king harmony all right i king end the story end the show thank you guys so much for tuning in i appreciate your time and attention and uh, that's going to do it for this episode of nine cents You can view past episodes or my other satanic series on reverendcampbell.com. If you appreciate the satanic series I do produce, like this video, subscribe to the channel and sign up to the email list. If you'd like to learn more about Satanism or the Church of Satan, visit churchofsatan.com. And until next week, hail Satan.